On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Orlando restart and what the Mavericks are actually going to look like when that time gets here. Makes it a two-point game. Oh, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato. I'm the Athletics beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks. Dave Dufour, I think I think you're here again. I am. I, some, I keep showing up. I'm going to show up until until Super Producer Kent tells me not to. I'll I'll have a talk with Kent. We can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We can. Listen, we can I have nothing out. better to do, Tim. So we've got a guest today who apparently. Is not even my friend. Apparently, you guys go way further back. So people are uh, allowed Dave, to be friends to, with more than one the person. No, no, no. It's your show. Please. Hey, I can no. introduce myself. <laughs> yeah, fine. Go for it. And welcoming in now, the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, formerly Tim Cato's friend, and always has been the friend of Dave Dufour from very far back at Summer League. It's Nick Angstead. Nick, how are you doing today? Good guys. Thankful to be on. <laughs> this is a, this is that's quality. A, that's a real pro. That's a real pro, Tim. That is. That is. But I've never claimed to be one. To be clear, that's true. So Nick and I have known each other. Uh, we did sports business classroom together. Uh, uh, okay, four years ago. Yeah. So we've known each other since then. Okay. Okay. That, uh, yeah. That's a connection that makes sense. Yeah. It's uh, Larry Coon and I've, all them. That's great. Right. 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 Highly yeah. recommended for anyone listening. Yeah, but not this summer. No, so actually, still this summer. There's going to be oh, a virtual. Is, it, is yeah. it gone virtual? Okay, it's going to be virtual. Yeah, so just don't um, go to Vegas. Is I guess is more specifically yes. what I'm trying to say. I would not recommend going to Vegas this July. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a virtual sports business classroom. So yeah. uh, summer league actually would have started tomorrow. Yeah, Dang. yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, you know, like um, your iPhone pops up all the memories and stuff. And uh, yeah, I got got some summer league memories from from last year. So, yeah. So instead of summer league tomorrow, we had go to Orlando yesterday. Um, Right. It seems like some some teams went went a little bit early. Every team is out there, though, right? Even if a player or two is missing here and there, like Kawhi Leonard, right? Yeah. The goal was to get everybody in the bubble. Uh, I think today is the last day that teams are arriving. So it was the 7th to the 9th. And everyone's doing their in-site quarantine and, and testing and all that stuff. And, you know. Man, I, I'm really hoping that that the NBA has an easier time of it than MLS. MLS has not gone well whatsoever. I, I, their protocols are not the same as the NBA, and, and so like when when you're watching people look at the MLS news and then try to apply it to the uh, to the NBA, it's just that's apples and oranges. The NBA's For, testing is more rigorous. I mean, they're just. The, level the of NBA's, resources. Yeah, they're spending so much money. I mean, the MLS, even though it's been around for. 25 years they still are like a startup league financially in a lot of ways and the nba is not that and so the nba is investing quite a bit uh, not to sound like a mouthpiece here for the league but I, I just think that um you know like we should wait and and watch and i, I i'm pretty sure that the nba has has this covered yeah that all makes sense it's just for the context for people who don't yeah pay attention to mls they had a team drop out actually a dallas team the fc dallas dropped out and it sure looks like Nashville, their Nashville team, will also have to drop out because both yeah. of them recorded double-digit um, positive tests with with players. 
largely with players, I think a staffer or two mixed in as well. And so if the players can't play, then you don't really have enough people to field a team. So I think logistically FC Dallas could have played with like 15 players, but you can't, you know, that's barely, that's barely 11 people and three substitutes or five substitutes. Um, It just wasn't a realistic scenario for, um, for FC Dallas to to continue. And it it looks like another team is going to suffer the same fate. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's complicated, but yeah, I mean, do we do we have any fears that that's instantly going to happen to the NBA? Like, do we think we're going to get a rash of positive tests because of the, the traveling that's been happening? Like, 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 I mean, you seem more confident, but but so let me ask you, Nick. Like, you're you're in the vicinity there in Florida. You said you're about an hour away. Um, obviously, that you know, it's you're not in a league mandated bubble with daily testing it's you know it's it's a basically a different universe it doesn't matter that you're an hour away (laughs) but you know something about your vicinity to it makes me feel like i must ask you this question so uh so yeah what's what's your what's your general orlando bubble thoughts um and i've rambled on way too long with this question but very funny they're calling it a bubble famously something that you know impenetrable very tough can't be broke oh wait no no. Well, Actually, wasn't there that bubble boy? Easy. He was he he kind of was stuck in that. I mean, <laughs> That's, Actually, uh, I mean, SpongeBob, he violated the SpongeBob's bubble. bubbles, those were like impenetrable, right? Like Squidward yeah. tried to beat those up and he couldn't. I I have I, I have concerns. I mean, obviously. I mean, I love the NBA. The NBA is my job and obviously, you know, personally, I'm I'm just concerned that at any moment, maybe it's just part of my personality that if anything can go wrong, I'm I'm nervous about it, but that Everything will just come crashing down. But I think that the NBA has done as best they can. We've heard from you know experts that say the NBA has put in a good system. We've seen uh, leagues like the Premier League you know, overseas. Now, Europe is in a little different spot than the U.S. is right now, but they've succeeded and haven't had many positive tests. I think the last time that they, they tested everyone, they didn't have any positive tests, which is awesome to hear. Um, I do have concerns because people in Florida are – being extremely cavalier about all of this. I mean, stuff is opening up. We, we saw a huge spike recently, uh, and some people are pointing fingers at protests and things like that, but it kind of coincides right when Florida opened everything back up. I mean, I think all of us have had this strange experience where you're thinking about going to a place maybe to get takeout or pick something up, and you have to go, oh, let's make sure that this place is open. And in Florida, you don't have to do that. Everything's just open. It's just all open. Some hours are cut, you know, things here and there, but it's all just open. And, yeah, I have concerns about people coming and going, but it seems like the NBA is doing everything they can to keep players and everyone safe. And the players all want to play, so I'm going to be excited about it. I'm going into this with... You know, I'm excited for basketball to come back and, you know, the risks are the risks and hopefully it doesn't all go crashing down. But at this point in our country, you can say that at any given moment that anything can come crashing down. So uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. It just I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I think I said this on a previous podcast that it's it's silly, but but I, I think legitimately might be true that players might be safer in this bubble once once it's established, once everybody's there, if, if that if that process over over these these few days can be, you know, safely done, which, you know, I guess they're all out there now. Um, you know, as long as that process of traveling was safe, like these players really might be safer in the bubble than than in their home markets, just because of all the precautions and I care and you know daily testing and just instant you know just very stringent policies that the um that the nba is undertaking uh 
Did you guys see the uh, the 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 memo uh, about entertainment about they how they can take um, guided fishing experiences and <laughs> end up going to uh, the amusement park for after hour events? That's what they're hiring Dave to do is the guided fishing. That's experience. it. That's right. I'm gonna be out there taking these guys fishing. Actually, you know, Paul George might wind up having the best playoffs of his career because he's gonna get to fish every day. <laughs> Have you guys yeah. thought about like? Hey, honestly, well, to, with, to bring with it to no the Mavericks, Seth Curry. Seth yeah. Curry, huge fisher. Well, with no fisherman. Uh, although, I guess, do, can we still use the term fisherman? Fisherman. Fisher, fisher, fisher person? Every, everyone's a fisherman. Fisher uh, price person? Yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> I had that same thing joke, Nick. The, uh, <laughs> but I chose not to make it, so that does Yeah, what yeah, does that say about better. me? But the, um, <laughs> all these guys, like, with no travel... They're going to be so relaxed, hopefully, you know, with with all this free time, downtime. They're just going to train this. The quality of the play is not going to be great, especially at first. But by the time we get to the conference finals and finals, we might be seeing some of the best basketball we've ever seen. I have somewhat of crazy to think. I have somewhat of a hot take. Maybe it's lukewarm take. Okay, I think players being away from their families might be helpful. (laughs) As much as people, you know, being away from family and everything is, uh, you know, can be stressful on some families. But I mean, after, I mean, my wife and I, we love each other. We have an excellent relationship, but we've argued the most throughout this quarantine. I mean, just being in close proximity for this long and maybe being away. I mean, that could help players mentally. I mean, mm-hmm. not saying it's and, good to be away from your family, but a well, month I or wonder, so away. I wonder if some of these guys that were like, I can't be away from my family that long. We're saying that while winking as as big as they could at whoever they were talking to. You know, I'm with you because they're not used to that. Or having eyes glared at them from across the room. Yeah, yeah. Without getting too far into NBA player culture, (laughs) it it is. I think a lot of them embrace the fact that they do travel, you know, Mm -hmm. once a week. Um and, and they embrace that in, in the fullest extent of, of, of that. Um, I'm not saying anything any, anybody doesn't know. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you can rent a motorized pontoon boat without taking alcoholic beverages on board, but still a motorized pontoon boat, yeah, that would relax me, I think. I would probably play better if, if I could do that the, the morning of a game. That's going to be the, the new game day routine is... I'm just reading from from this from this memo that I'm very much enjoying. Although only two <laughs> of the three teams um, or two of the three hotels are going to have access to this right away. Oh, because so the Grand it's not Destino even is not it's on landmark. the water. Yeah, yeah, Whereas that's too far away. The Grand yeah. Floridian and the Yacht Club are both on the lake. Well, we we know that the NBA actually messed up with this because the Lopez brothers immediately wanted to be in the Yacht Club and. and as the resident experts on everything Disney, I think the NBA really should have leaned on the Lopez brothers when setting this up. Definitely. Or at least somebody to... that knows you know, the parks and not just like who, whichever executive ask... has never been there and is making I was gonna say, well, I'm assuming they talked to Disney about it, but you can't expect like you need an outside perspective. You, you can't have, you know, someone like a Disney executive say, well, this is our nicest hotel. This is the best one. You got to ask someone that actually goes there. What is actually the best? Yeah, yeah the Lopez brothers are going to dominate. I mean, the Bucks much, are going to win the title because of this. That's all I'm much, saying. How much is the hotel? Well, I mean, the Bucks are going to win the title because up to 40 guests at a time. 
will be allowed to go to Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom, Rock and Roller Coaster at Hollywood Studios, <laughs> and Test Track at Epcot. No. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like an unfair superpower. Like, are, like are you're, you, Yeah. Are you saying no one's going to ride the Hall of Presidents ride? Or is that in the memo? Um, it also says, and more. So, <laughs> let your heart, you know, let, let your imagination run wild as to what and more could mean. Test Track um, has been closed for like four months, so I don't know who's riding that. I I know nothing about any of this stuff. I'm this, just very this. By the way, this is um uh, this is on the athletic uh, by Fred yeah. Katz. This, uh, yes. this this the story detailing the memo. So I, I should I should also note that if you if anybody wants to read the full thing, because it is important to know that starting in mid to late July, the second floor of Splitsville Luxury Bowling Lanes can host up to 100 bowlers for private NBA events, but no doubles. Food, food and beverages are available. The memo does not mention anything about drinking alcohol while bowling which that seems that seems like an approval to me <laughs> if it's if it's omitted it's allowed <laughs> exactly that that like leaves they, a lot of leeway i mean if they said it for the pontoon boats and didn't say it for the bowling what what implication are we supposed to take from this i i see the logic Okay, uh, I'll, I'll steer us towards actual on-court basketball to some extent. Um, we, we've talked a lot about it, but, you know, it, and we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording just about what it will look like. like. Like, physically, literally, what will it look like? And what players will be most affected or benefited or hurt by it? Um, we, think, we think Dallas will be probably better than most. Like, their mm-hmm. offense is... To use Dave's term, heliocentric. That's Dave's a Seth and, Partnow term. I was going to say Dave and Seth Partnow and and John Hollinger and and uh, and all all of you guys. I think have a uh, you know it's uh, you're in the same bubble. It's like it's like how a you're catchphrase right. goes mm-hmm. around a friend group. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, it's literally that. Yeah, you know, it's so, just it's just me, John Hollinger, Seth Partnow. Yeah, me. The three best friends anyone could have. That's right. That's right. But yeah, so you're right. I, like the the heliocentric nature of that offense, I think gives them gives them a leg up. Uh, Nick, like think about it. It's there's less. Everyone has less responsibility except for Luca. And so as long as Luca is able to play up, I mean he's going to be healthy. The ankle has had all this time to rest. Uh, I saw the photos. Look like he didn't put on any weight or anything during this quarantine. I know Tim has talked to his trainer extensively and says that. He's in good shape, not game shape, but he's in good shape. Impossible to be in game shape for anyone right now. Uh, how, how do you feel about it, Nick? Uh, you know, is Dallas going to be able to come out of the gate with a little bit of a head start? I feel good about their ability to to come out quickly. They're only relying on one guy, and as long as that one guy is going right, and if they can, you know, figure out if Porzingis is going as well. I mean, just just by sheer odds, right? A team like the Thunder, they're semi reliant on Chris Paul a lot, but they're more reliant on the whole team as a whole. The odds that all those players are ready to go right off the start is not as good as you know just Luca being ready to go. And uh, I, I feel I feel good about a couple of things that the Mavericks seem to figure out towards the end of the first part of the season uh, with Luca and Porzingis and playing Porzingis at the five because Dwight Powell went down uh, playing, you know, Luca and Porzingis pick and rolls, pick and pops a lot more. I mean that, that action alone, you can just run that. I mean, you can just run that in a, on a playground, right? You can run that just 
out of the gate and that will be successful for them. I was watching uh, Mavs Wizards, the very first game of the season, the season opener yesterday, and they didn't run that at all. <laughs> they were running mostly Luka and Maxi pick and rolls, and I think they ran it twice, Luka and Porzingis, and they've just done it so much more since then. And so I think that action specifically has opened up so much for them and has made them a team that can just right out of the gate, you know, shoot out and and uh, succeed, Tim. They they could they could run that pick and roll, not on a court in a hotel convention room, if if they can't get court space. I remember when, uh, I like high school varsity basketball, and we would sometimes. I, I remember one time we we basically mimed a practice in just a big open space in a hotel because we couldn't get court space, and our coach wanted us to run some plays. So we. Like no nothing to shoot on, but we just had a basketball and we had a bunch of open space, and our coach made us run uh, plays. So I thought that was I don't know why that came to mind. A walkthrough. Exactly, exactly. Do you guys think there's any any player who might be negatively affected by this by this break in this layoff, um, specifically to the Mavericks? But I guess if you if you have a player archetype that that you kind of want to mention a, a type of a certain type of player as well, I think that's you know if if any if either either option spring to mind what, what what do you guys think the three guys i'm really looking at and one of them we heard from on tuesday is tim hardaway jr and he was asked the question about his shooting and if his shooting will continue because uh he was asked you know how do you continue and build on this to shoot the great shooting season it's the best shooting season of his career how do you build on that and he said i'm starting from zero basically i think that's a good mentality for him to have but him dorian finney smith and maxi kleba if all three of those guys are shooting as well as they did at the first part of the season then the mavericks are i mean they're rolling right that that's their offense is a well-oiled machine if any of those guys or if all those guys are not shooting as well as they did or shot you know as poorly as they did last year it could be a different story I mean, those specific three guys like shooting those are mm-hmm. the things that I'm, I'm concerned about for this team so yeah. Seth, Seth Curry you just have full faith in yeah, that, I mean that guy wakes out you know steps out of bed and shoots 45% from three I'm not worried about well, it. I think see this think is the fair. thing though this is the longest a lot of these guys have taken off from shooting a basketball in their lives you know and the, my concern for for every team is how are the shooters going to adjust once they get back into NBA game speed level shooting, right? Like they're gonna go and they're gonna walk in the gym. You might see some guys rusty in, in practice. It's not gonna be that bad. Like if you were sitting there watching, you'd be like, okay, these guys are game ready. Empty gym doesn't count. Once they actually have defenders coming coming on to them, uh, you know, having to attack closeouts, things like that, I, that's when we're gonna see guys struggle. I don't think it's gonna last that long. I think by the time the playoffs roll around. Everybody will be worked back into uh, a shooting groove, but but I am with you. I think that first week we are going to see some awful, awful misses, especially from the corners. I think we're going to see a bunch of guys hitting the side of the backboard. And a, a, yeah, a lot of these guys. I mean, this is like the start of a season, right? And so we know the beginning of any NBA season. There's going to be some rough basketball for a week, and and these games are pretty close together, right? They're playing eight games in like you know what, fifteen days or something like that. And so that's that's a lot of basketball one after the other that they're able to get back into form. So I, I agree with Dave on that. And and you know directly tied to shooting and shooting rust and and all this stuff is is conditioning, of course. Uh, you know if if players have lost conditioning edges, if they're ninety percent of what they typically would be at this point in a season, um, which I could see it going both ways. Perhaps the perhaps the rest just gave everybody a chance to recharge but perhaps there are certain players out there who just needed to not stop like that is their that is a rhythm in their routine 
in a typical NBA season, and this this will disrupt that. Um, whichever way it goes, if you're conditioning a shot, you will see more misses as games wear on. Um, uh, this is something we've kind of talked about before, I think. But um, do you do you think the Mavericks will be on enough that they're still certain to break the the NBA's offensive rating uh, record? Like they're they're you know they're averaging almost 116 points per 100 possessions. Uh, I think the record is 115.3 by the Warriors. I'm looking it up right now. But like like, do you think there's going to be a league wide dip? And they're going to be like 113 throughout the rest. Like they still might be the best team, best offensive team, or have the have the league's best offense in these last eight games, um, and, and are certain to finish with the best offense in the regular season. But like, is it still going to be historically good? Are we going to see a bit of a drop off? Is it going to spike? I don't know. What like like? Or do you do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think the offenses would be fine. I mean, it, like we said with the you know. Dave and all his his calculator friends' words, the heliocentric offenses, like those those offenses will be able to come out of the gate and perform well. And I, I you know, if, in theory, in, in theory, in, in we, th- we mean, don't know. A, it is a theory for sure, right? <laughs> but I mean, I I bet on that over a you know a, more of a team centric team to be able yeah. to perform like that. So I, I think defenses will take some time because that has more of the you know we need to work together. These guys haven't even played five on five or like they haven't even played all together yet. They've only right. just done these individual workouts. So they haven't played defense together for I don't know three months, four four months. I mean yeah. that's a long time to go without, you know, remembering how somebody communicates, you know, the defensive uh you know principles maybe their team has. I mean some of these guys just got added to a team and now they're like had this long layoff where they didn't have you know they didn't play and now they're back in it again so i, I think defenses will take a little more time to pick up than offense it, Last, I, la- I actually here, don't know if defenses will pick up that's the thing is like the the eight game little mini regular season sprint here that we're gonna have just right off the bat is gonna be an offensive showcase i don't expect defenses to show up until the playoffs and maybe that's just Last, by sheer effort too, right? I mean, some, right. some teams I, might I think not that's care gonna too be part of it. That. Yeah, except for Orlando, because you know it's basically all they can muster. Last season, Golden State averaged their offensive rating was one fifteen exactly. Mm-hmm. Dallas is one fifteen point eight. I think it's certain that they they are the new all time record holder, which is something that does need to be adjusted for, you know, just the general state of the league. Offenses are turning up, so it makes sense that, that new teams will continually... Like, like this bro- this record will be broken again. Someone will hit 116. Someone will hit maybe 117. It, it will cop out at some point. I think you've, you've, you've put it... You've said a number before, Dave, or maybe Seth has, of where you think offenses may cap out in terms of efficiency. But certainly there's a bit of a higher ceiling to go. But, but yeah, no, I think this is going to be the all-time most efficient yeah. offense. We're, um, I think I, we're we're close to it by the way. Um, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Pay, pace is already so high. Um you know, th- there are things that can happen but like 40 to 44 threes I think is about the max you, you're going to get from a team and, and have them be extremely competitive. I mean, it's just like the way that Moore, shooting though. is well, the way shooting is dispersed around the league, right? Like you can shoot 53s a game but how many of them are you going to make? You know, there's a certain point and, and where... And you have diminishing results. One right. of the reasons you shoot so many threes is so you also get layups. Like, exactly. there is a there is a direct correlation right. of shooting threes and getting layups. And one of the reasons you shoot so many threes is, is both the extra point, but... The, well, you're still trying to pull the, best, the defense out. 
Yeah, still the yeah. best shot in the NBA is a layup. Well, this you is know, why a, a relatively open layup is still always going to be the best right. shot in the league. And you shoot so many threes to make you give yourself more opportunities to take open layups as well. Like, it's, well, that's why I'm it's, against yeah. uh, extending the three point, like bringing the three point line back, which is just a silly idea anyway. Uh, guys shoot about the same from from right on the line as they shoot from like 26 feet. Uh, the percentages don't really go down. It makes no sense to drop the line back because all you're going to do is make it harder to defend the basket because they're going to have more you know more open lanes. So if you just want games to be a layup line, by all means, support the the deeper three point line. But we I just took us out on a I veered us off course, but. Uh, yeah, is this is this nerd she wrote? Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is the ex- extension, uh, but I, I do think I do think the shooters are going to struggle to come back right away. Just once we get to games, so I think it's going to be no defense and clunky offense. But the the teams you know that have the Lucas and the James Hardens, I, they have that natural advantage. So it's going to be all about what shooters catch up first. Yeah, it's going to look weird. I'm sure there is something that five games in. Mm-hmm. We will say, oh, of course they're struggling in this specific aspect, in this specific manner, you know, uh, of of the sport. We should have predicted this. It makes sense that that they would be struggling in this specific manner. And and when we get there, it's it's going to be obvious, um, you know. Uh, but it's it's just it's just hard to predict what it's going to look like because there's just there's nothing to to fall back on. There has never been something quite like this. So, um, with that said. Let's undertake the very foolish um, uh, endeavor of trying to predict what the record is going to be and, and, you know, how the Mavericks will actually fare in these eight games, which I'll read them off briefly. It's Houston, Phoenix, Sacramento, the Clippers, Milwaukee, Utah, Portland, and Phoenix again. And there is one back-to-back mixed in there. It's, it's the, the sixth and seventh games, Utah and Portland. Nick? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first. This is this is so hard and foolish is a great way to put it because like mm-hmm. like we've said we I don't know what this is gonna look like. Maybe these right. teams with the one dominant star will you know be better out of the gate, but we don't know. I mean, if you look forward, I mean the last two Mavericks games, Portland and Phoenix, those two teams could be mathematically eliminated from any kind of play in or anything by the time we get there, and those teams two teams may just be done or they play super hard because they you know have nothing else to lose i guess but yeah nick i'm gonna be honest i feel bad so can you actually go through each eight games predict the exact score (laughs) the leading score and who will have the third most steals okay houston (laughs) does that that help houston mavericks that's that july 31st game yes 185 to 170 it's just gonna be like an all-star game no. Oh, I, I think one of those teams, by the way, is going to hit like 125 in that game. Oh, in the I first could, game, I could see it. Mm-hmm. I could see, I could see it being like 140, 130. Yeah, mm-hmm. sincerely, nobody's going to play defense in that game. First game, no way. Luca always shows up against the Rockets. He's had some of his his best games against them. Porzingis just had like an incredible, what was it, 38-point game, 37-point game against the Rockets recently when they decided to go super small. And the two of them together, right. I don't think the two of them together have played against this small ball Rockets. And so that this is it's going to be a really fascinating game to watch. Also, the Mavericks need this game if they want to move up in the standings at all and because the Rockets are right ahead of them. And so this, this is one to watch. ESPN, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> yeah, I have – I – I just the the idea of predicting stuff is always it's the it's the worst part of it's the worst expected part of of sports 
writing and being oh, in yeah. the sports but industry. But you just have to go into it knowing, like saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be wrong here, but right. I can see five and three out of the Mavs in the eight games. Just because of the offense, I could see five and three. So he, here's a question, though. So this was posed to me by a listener of our of my pod. Um, how will the Mavericks approach these games? Do you think that they're going to just completely go all out, try to try to win all these games, you know, as hard as possible, go to a playoff rotation, you know, as fast as possible, or do you think they want to try to get all these guys, get them some run in early, and try to play, you know, maybe save Luca, you know, for a little bit from this? I mean, how are they going to approach these games? Rick Carlisle is. I have no idea what he's going to do with these games. Well, at a certain point, you have to start. You have to think about the playoff positioning, and the fact that they could move up to the four seed has got to be considered because anything you can do to dodge the Clippers or Lakers, right? Like that, that five seed might be the sweet spot. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I think. I guess if you if you were to win the playoff series, you get the Lakers after that so maybe the five seed is not good maybe you want the six so you play denver and then and then you get winners of you know clippers and whoever um i i think that the playoff positioning has to be a factor has to there's no way that that those teams that are all jumbled up aren't thinking of ways to avoid the clippers and lakers i i think it's a it's a bit of both you you have to go for a better playoff seating you mm-hmm. you do um i i think that five would be the best case scenario um you know both both in it's it's you, you just have to pass two teams um the four or five matchup you know there's no home court advantage in any of this yeah. stuff so you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you don't got to get up into the top four it's not like that's going to affect anything right you don't think playing um, on your so you, own actual court is going to matter tim you don't think that that kind of advantage <laughs> of seeing that mavericks logo however you feel i mean about maybe it if middle. it's the city edition just the just the oh the harsh, man that is, that's yeah, cool. the harsh fluorescent yeah. glare against, you know, like at least they're maybe kind of used to shooting on that. Like no team is going to adjust to that well. That would be quite the uh, advantage. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I do think they need to try to move up. And I do think they've played the Lakers better than the Clippers this season. And I would feel more comfortable if, if you know, if you had to pick one of the L.A. teams, which eventually if, if they win their first round series, you do. Uh, I think that's that's a better case scenario for them uh, would be the Lakers. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, they're both. They're both title contenders, and so, you know. Um, Tim, if you had to pick a first-round matchup for the for the Mavericks. Denver. Who would you want? Denver over, Denver. like, let's say they can face OKC, Utah, Houston. Uh, I mean, I think I just kind of ruled out OKC as not being super realistic as a – I mean, I guess it, I guess if the OKC got, got up to fourth and they got up to fifth. I, I mean, yeah, maybe. I still think Denver's the right team for them to face, though. So – um, I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> Denver's really good. I, I would rather face Utah. I mean, obviously, OKC is the choice, but I'd rather face Utah if I'm looking at teams in that top four in the first round. Um, yeah. You know. I, I, I just think, think, I think they, yeah. they've got Utah has a little bit more uh, of a hill to climb to be competitive early. I mean, we, we watched them struggle early in the season for the last couple of years. So I wonder how, you know, with this with this layoff and then the restart and no Bogdanovich. how they're going to be. Yep, no Bogdanovich and he's important for their for their offense. Uh obviously we've got the the Rudy and and Donovan stuff which was already there if you've ever watched Utah play. Like nobody was passing the ball to Rudy. Well, Donovan wasn't passing the ball to Rudy. So I I think that Utah is who you want to play. 
I think I think you can make that argument. Um, yeah. Anyway, just to just to circle back on on what I was saying, I I, I do think playoff seeding is important. I think Clippers in the first round is the worst case scenario, mm. and so I do think they need to push to to move up. I do not think they are going to go to a playoff rotation or should go to a playoff rotation. They they don't have a big roster. They're bringing three injured players. They have like 12, 12, 12 available players, right? Right, Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's only twelve. Like that is that that is actually like I understand why they did it. It, it. it does put you in a really bad spot if a single person gets injured, especially if it's like Maxi Kleba, which you know if obviously if Luca or, or KP gets injured, but you know that's that's a game defining you know that's a team defining situation. If a role player like Maxi gets injured and you don't really have a replacement for him uh, because they don't, you know you're you're in trouble. So so I do think you need to moderate minutes. Especially knowing that you know this is a weird restart, and uh, people may be more susceptible to injury. We have seen that in the soccer leagues that have returned. Uh, the Bundesliga injuries were up. Uh, I haven't seen stats on the Premier League, but I would imagine injuries are up. Uh, certainly, some of the teams I've been watching, I can I can name like four or five injuries off the top of my head. Uh, Go ahead. Which is <laughs> well, Chelsea Chelsea's midfield is is <laughs> Dep- just decimated. Kovacic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, I do think that they need to be careful, especially in these first few games. And if you get to Utah, Portland, Phoenix, those last three, and maybe you have, maybe you have that one game lead that that does push you up in the seedings. So it turns those last three, you know, into must wins, and you would hang on to that said seeding. Maybe you do try to expand the rotation a little bit, but in general, I think that they they need to be very away very aware um of their roster limitations uh just in terms of depth and uh and balance that with an attempt you know an honest attempt to move up because i also think that's important because i do think that if you're going to get any benefit any any playoff postseason benefits from this something something we kept talking about something we, we said it was important for this team this version of this team to get to the playoffs and get that experience it's going to be different it's going to be weird it might not be you know it's definitely not going to be what it would have been if they were going to you know packed uh road you know like a packed game one on the road uh with 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 you know entire playoff crowd yelling against them like that's an experience you, you're not going to be able to duplicate here and you may just have to wait another year. But but I think there is going to be value in getting this team to the postseason. And if it can be against someone that isn't the Clippers, who is, again, probably the very worst case scenario for this team to, to face up against in round run, I think that's valuable. And I think it's something to push for. So if they can do that reasonably without compromising everything else, um, you know, specifically without compromising uh, you know, the, the, the roster's health as, as, as much as, you know, they are in control of that. Uh, I think it is important to push for higher seating. Yes. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, do you guys got anything else to add on, on that specific thing? Because I, I realized that was that 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 felt conclusive. <laughs> no. If I may say so for myself. It. Yeah. 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 I'll uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I guess I'll we'll sign sign ourselves out. I'll 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 pull a uh, I'll pull a Nick from the beginning of the episode. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, I think next week we're going to be focusing in on a feature. You know, I'll just say it. I've got something on Bobon coming on Monday, and so I think our podcast will probably go in that. Direction. I've been waiting on this. Yeah, well, it's it's fine. It's filed. It's pu- not published, but it's filed. It's 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 on its way. So keep an eye out Monday. It's uh, I had a lot of fun doing it and, and talking to people about him. So 
that's that's for next week, and uh, we'll be back then at uh, some point, probably uh, probably Thursday or Friday, as we tend to do. Thanks, everyone. Oh my God! Oh! What a grand oh! Shut it down! Oh, Let's go! Home! <laughs> it's a wrap, Jordan. Uh, that is a wrap.